Good evening, everybody, and welcome to a very special Entering Into Fall episode of Ignite Radio Live. We are approaching nearly eight years of broadcasting this program, Ignite Radio Live, over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio on nearly a weekly basis. And people have said we've heard some great national characters, leaders, evangelists, politicians, sports stars, all sharing this common theme of encountering Christ and living it more deeply in our marriages and families. We've punctuated that this is not just, if you will, a media, but a movement. We're inviting parents and families to become that kind of place I love my family.us. But many have said, gosh, it'd be great if you and Stephanie were interviewed. So you get to hear that tonight. A very special interview by none other than Peter Herbeck from his program Fire on the Earth of Stephanie and I. With no further ado, here we go. I'm especially delighted uh, to welcome today to the program and have them here all week some very good friends of mine and really very inspiring disciples, Greg and Stephanie Schleter who are from Toledo, Ohio, and they run an amazing ministry to families that I'm really eager to have them talk Mm. to you about. Well, welcome, guys. Thank Thank you, you. Peter. Thanks for having us. Yes. So maybe we could, I really would love for us to just start with your own, a bit of your own personal stories. And ladies first, Stephanie, so do you mind if we start with you? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say that. Um, So I'm actually from Erie, Pennsylvania, and grew up in the family of 12. I'm Next to the youngest, nine boys and three girls, so that in and of itself made for an interesting dynamic. Very faith-filled home, typical Catholic era of the time. We did, you know, mass and devotions and, of course, prayer before meals and stuff. I had two uncles who were priests and an aunt who was a Mm -hmm. nun. And so Mm -hmm. it was very much part of the air that we breathed. It wasn't something that was compartmentalized, but very much encouraged to be an everyday part of life. So... My dad was pretty strict, um, Mm -hmm. and he raised us with the whole notion of you do what you do because you do it, and that's what God desires you to do. So kind of in that sense, the moral life was instilled in us. Mm -hmm. I think a big overflow part of that faith that we grew up in was um, in the pro-life movement, Mm -hmm. and so we were very involved from a young age. And something that very much formed our faith life, mine in particular, since I'm speaking personal stories, yeah. was it was 1976, and our mom was pregnant with baby number 13, seven months pregnant, and they both felt very called to go on, which I believe was the second March for Life in D.C., and so they boarded the bus out of Erie, PA, and just south of Pittsburgh, my mom, who had her head resting on my dad's shoulder, it's 39 years old, passed peacefully into eternal life. And so can't even imagine, especially now being married and such with a family. So my dad coming back, very simple man, you know, never made a ton of money, first and foremost, but a very rich man in so many other ways. He came back to us after having lost the love of his life and his little unborn little baby boy to raise us all. And my oldest brother was 17 and my youngest brother was three. I was five at the time. And so he taught us that God is faithful, God is loving, and he is just present. We may not always understand it, yeah. but that that's just part of the fabric of life and death really too. And then the other message of what God calls you to, he provides for. And so you know, it's easy for me to say that on this side, but he really witnessed that to us growing up, you know, through many difficult moments. I never remember him being bitter or angry, and I'm sure he had his moments in private, yeah, yeah. but in regards to witnessing to us. So he put us all through Catholic schools, and, you know, it was the the era, too, of a lot of the orthodoxy versus not so much era. So a lot of it came down to, um, you know, battling for the truth and defending truth. And, you know, the 80s were a wacky time, you know, in many ways. And so some of our schooling witnessed that. But the home was a place to process those ideas, to pray together. It wasn't necessarily, a, you know, on fire in the spirit prayers from the heart, although there were many seeds sure. that were planted in that real. way. It was yeah. very real, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and so... Like, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I think I was filling that, you know, hole in the heart, as they say, with lots of Catholic things and, you know, retreats and programs and CDs. And really, it was, it was the, the edge of so much Catholic stuff that was mm-hmm. coming out. 
And it wasn't really until um, college and a silent retreat that I made, and then right after that, meeting a very dear, now dear friend who had a huge conversion in, in her life. And I saw there was the first witness that I had of somebody where it was personal, like mm-hmm. Jesus Christ was a personal redeemer and savior and friend to her. Mm-hmm. And that really shook me to go deeper as to what all that stuff meant that I was doing, because I didn't see it that it wasn't personal, right. but it was, it was a, a real um, wake up or encounter of what the Lord was calling me to that I yeah. thought I was fulfilling. Like another dimension of what's possible. Exactly. Know, exactly. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, that's really, really great. Really inspiring. Well, Greg. Yes. Uh, you've been so quiet the last year. I'm just Does kidding. It's so you? rare. No. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, thank you very much. I know there's a lot more to the story, yeah. but, uh, what, but actually before we shift over, what, what an amazing father you have yes yes and uh i just it just feels so old old school dignity to Mm, me and kind of mm. old school virtue and great generation sort of feel or whatever to to it you know that Mm. uh 12 kids Mm. yes 12 kids and you all went to maybe they slept i think often in the living room i mean a simple (laughs) humble family i think of the rich mullins song never picture perfect if you ever heard that it's just a great portrait of that simple life where faith is embedded into it. And I get the same image as you, Peter. If I could just add one thing, too, just in light of that, it was um, also a great witness of the transforming power of that sacrificial love that Mm -hmm. my dad gave us in the ordinary. You know, it was him making supper and staying up late and working third shift so that he could be more present to us and, you know, laundry and, you know, helping with homework and all those things that I'm sure many of our listeners can see as you know the tough stuff of life the ordinary everyday grind and he just brought such grace in that sacrificial love that i think affected us beyond what we realized at the moment yeah where love really happens where Mm -hmm. home is made and all that no it's i i can see why the lord has led you into what you guys are doing but that's for another day but greg tell us a little bit about yourself yes on your own journey yeah, so given the state of the, the battle in this culture, the enemy is after, right, all of the sons and daughters of God in Christ. Um, I want to just begin by saying that we have 13, I have thir- I'm one of 13, and when I say that... Your family's one of 13? So, but I want to say this, yes, to just to encourage your listeners, <laughs> that I'm, I'm counting a sister who died a week after birth, and I'm counting five miscarriages. Okay, yeah. So they yeah. are life, they Amen. are souls, sure. Amen. And, sure. and so there are seven of us, six boys and a girl, um, that I grew up with in Wisconsin, so my blood is green, Packer country. And, uh, you know, growing up in the 70s, 1967, I'm the second oldest of these seven. Um, the landscape is no different than really in the garden. You know, there's a different face throughout history, but it's the same story, really. And uh, I think it's that story of God who reveals to us our nature to follow Him, and it's our response. Now, that part's up to us. How do we respond to that? So, growing up, my parents, very devout, faithful Catholic, and even to this odd thing for Catholics at the time of leading us in personal relational prayer. That thing only Baptists did up the street by talking from the heart. So I grew up with that, though. Oh, really? And I was very blessed that my dad actually was the leader of the home. He'd bring us together. Somewhat in a German, stoical sort of way, but he would gather us together and we'd pray from the heart. And if nothing else, that simple witness of the man of the house inviting us together to do more than just the Our Father is awesome as it is, that tradition and history. Mm-hmm. So that was embedded in us, that, that, that compass, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. So as, if you will, time went on as we hit high school my older brother the culture which is beginning to offer us sort of i kind of call it the disney gospel and that is follow your emotions (laughs) follow your heart and i just want to proclaim this because i think it defines us today and my brothers and i talk about this for our kids and other generations you know when we don't subordinate our feelings to truth they become our tyrant. I'll say it again. Mm-hmm. When we don't subordinate our emotions and our feelings to truth, they become our tyrant. We think we can dictate what it means for our gender or who God is or the nature of love. And that was entering in the water in a much more formidable way. That general thesis, that Disney gospel thesis, through the music we listened to, the classical rock, which we were on a steady diet of. I mean, it was it was influencing the way we thought. We thought it really didn't have an effect, but going to Catholic schools and MTV culture and accessibility, a lot of these sources, um, the emergence of some kind of internet and 
porn and that sort of stuff at some level starting to enter into the scene. So bottom line is my older brother began to get into the sort of the classical scene of drinking and popularity. And then what happens when your hero older brother enters into that? My four younger brothers began to similarly follow. And we were no longer the, the family that was sitting up front in church. And my dad proud of these, you know, seven ducklings that were pious and focused. Well, suddenly we were becoming aware profoundly of the chinks in our armor that, you know, it was more than just being good soldier Catholics. Mm -hmm. So I would say that my parents gave us a generation that had all of the answer to what's being challenged by a generation that was asking the why's. Yeah. And we saw in the last 30, 40 years the emergence of Scott Hans and apologetics and the articulations making all that really accessible, really that followed after, you know, my teen years. And so, I mean, our family was, if you will, found itself in the toxicity of the culture and my parents trying to keep us together. Now I need to pronounce a little bit of the end of the story. Every single one has come around. Every single one, beautiful, faithful Catholic husbands, wives, and their families and the children. My parents have... I think 50 grandkids stopped counting after 45, all of whom are, I think, you know, very much seeking the heart of Christ and well, faithful. That's, that's so, tremendous witness. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, my, my backing it up just a little bit is my encounter and acceptance of Jesus was really, again, different faces, the same story in second grade. My grandparents had, had given us these stamped $2 bills, and when I was going through the store in second grade, I had my eye on this dartboard. The marketing, the advertising, just like the apple or the fruit in the garden, was my story in second grade. How am I going to buy this thing for 12 bucks? Well, I found the stash of these special stamped $2 bills somewhere in the house. I stole it in every step of defying the conscience of the battle with the enemy up to buying this dartboard and then being discovered. And really that encounter of, I can't replace this. You know, for the, the weight of gra the gravity of my conscience in second grade was maybe like somebody today who might have killed somebody. You know, it felt that heavy for me in second grade. And I distinctly remember being discovered, confessing it, if you will, telling my mom and realizing my life is not my own. I mean, in, a, in my own understanding as a second grader, I need to give my life to God. I need hmm. to give my life to Jesus. I can't replace this. I need him. Now, the journey continues through life and all these teen years in sort of that core compass and seeing it really via negativa, seeing my peers and my friends, seeing them make decisions. The revelation was there, but the response was not there. And to see, as Cecil B. DeMille says, that great producer of the movie The Ten Commandments, we can't so much break the Ten Commandments, we can only break ourselves against them. I was seeing that truth played out, and the gospel proclaimed via negativa, them making these choices and loving them through it and journeying them with them through it through high school and college, but a sadness if you will, in aloneness, I'm as class president, involved in sports and involved in these things, but really eagerly wanting to be kindred in heart with others who really at least ethically proclaim this. So my parents' question of what, to our question of wanting to answer the whys, bringing me up to present day, and Stephanie kind of alluding to that, is the who, the other W, the who, and that's Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. that personal encounter to mm -hmm. know him, mm -hmm. that he is relevant, that he is present, that we can have this relationship with him at the core of our being, that all these gifts that God has given us, these blessings that he's given us, have equipped us to be blessers. So that's kind of the line of our trajectory, our history, and that he, you know, really led us through uh, courtship and marriage and really to be fully engaged and wanting to be building the kingdom and have confidence in God's power here and now. Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about how you two actually met <laughs> and how this all happened. Her how, version or mine. How yeah, and how the here. journey happened. But friends, one of the things we really want to touch on this week is the importance of family. It's amazing just their own family histories and thinking about my own as well, that we, we know that the, the fundamental battle of our time, the sort of ground zero of the, the enemy's battle is with the family. Mm. And the Lord is empowering brothers and sisters within the church to help lead the church against that battle. And I'm sitting with two people who are in the, uh, really God has chosen. So I hope you can tune in tomorrow. God bless you. You are listening to a very special program of Ignite Radio Live, Fire on the Earth, Peter Herbeck's interview of Greg and Stephanie Schleter. Mark your calendar for the third Thursday of the month for our Belief and Beverage Nights. Go to massimpact.us forward slash BNB. Please partner with us, massimpact.us forward slash partner. Welcome, friends. This is Peter Herbeck, your host. We're here again today with two very good friends of mine and, and people who, two people who inspire me very much, Greg and Stephanie Schleter, who lead a ministry really for families. And it's called Mass Impact, and it's having a genuine impact on lots of people and lots of families. And 
They're, they're one sign of the Lord's solution to the great spiritual battle over the family today. And I, that's why I'm so eager to have them, because God's used them so profoundly. But welcome back, you guys. Wow, thank you, Thanks, Peter. Peter. It's yeah. good to be here. Yeah, did I get that right, Mass Impact? You absolutely did. And in fact, people can go to ilovemyfamily.us to find out more. Is that okay that I plug yeah, that? Yeah, plug it again. Right, good. What is it? I love my family. It's a little difficult to remember. Okay. I love my family.us. Okay, very good. Okay. But before we get to talking about the ministry work you're engaged in and what you're seeing, which I think is really important, I do want to hear how you two met each other. Now, friends, if you didn't have a chance to tune in the program yesterday, it was on Monday. Uh, they joined us uh, for the first time and told their own personal stories, which are really touching and, and really amazing. So I encourage you, if you'd like to hear them, just go to our website at renewalministries.net. You can listen to the programs right there or download them, put them on whatever device you would like to use or just get our app, you know, and listen to the podcast. So Renewal Ministries app. Do it. Do yeah, it. Listen to the podcast. Go there. So we started with Stephanie yesterday, Greg. Let's start with you today. Okay, so quick background. At the time, I had graduated from Miami University of Ohio. I left, decided to defer law school, was very moved by the pro-life movement in a profound way. Father Mike Scanlon, what they were doing there, very touching to me. Of course, Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment stuff was where I was called, thought I was called to be. Literally, while taking my LSAT, the Holy Spirit said, trust me, follow me, I got a different path for you. And it led me really through a journey of following Christ, working for Human Life International, through that Medjugorje, a very powerful encounter of God making himself known. All the more public revelation is what really touched me, this relationship with Mary. Steubenville for a short season of leading evangelization events throughout the country and actually preceding Marcus Grodi for Light and Life Foundation. And following that period of time, uh, Father Benedict Rochelle asked me to come and spend some time with him and discover my vocation yep. a little more. So I was blessed to spend a year with Father Benedict Rochelle as my spiritual director. I left it all behind. At the time, prior to that, I was living with Tim Gray and Ted Sri. Just a blessed time of growing together with those brothers in Christ. So I'm now with Father Benedict and discerned that I wasn't meant to do that. So then Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, again, thinking maybe I had a call to the priesthood. So a profound time. And Mount 2000 was a big experience. I couldn't stay away from ministry too long. So brought this Mount 2000 event there, this annual Eucharistic event that draws 1,500 kids every year, which has been going now for over 20 years. So it was during that period of time, three years now, three and a half years of discerning the priesthood, where theology of the body spoke to my inmost soul, love the priesthood, love our faith, but I discovered my nature, which is the sure. beauty of John Paul II's yeah. writing, yeah. that subjective, ordered by the objective, for the nerdy out there who are listening, but I, I saw myself as a husband and father and called to be an icon and instrument of the Trinity. That's really key. It really struck me, made sense of my world and my life. So left the seminary and continued in Erie PA to accept the job. This is where my wife kicks in. Accepted a job leading this really chastity evangelization program, Picture Net Ministries with a Theology of the Body approach. I'd founded this years earlier, and they, it had continued in the Erie Diocese, and I resumed a directorship of this in the Diocese of Erie to continue forming these teams to evangelize their peers. Cue my beautiful wife. Yeah. So, the girl version. No. Yeah. Um, so, while Greg was doing all of that, I was finishing up my college education again in university in Erie, PA. And my dream of being a teacher just felt very called in the classroom um, to minister to souls in that way. And so, Greg had mentioned this Heart and Soul Ministries. While I was teaching, I was also helping Father Larry Richards, a name familiar, I'm sure, to many listeners, with a youth group there at our parish. And he was taking a group of kids to this retreat that Greg was involved in that I had not met him yet. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first encounter with Greg Schleter and different Prior people saying, yeah. oh, you have to meet him, you have to meet him. And so when we were introduced, that brief moment, that brief day, I got the very quick, nice to meet you. And he turned very quickly and, yeah. you know, was just fully engrossed beautifully so with yeah. all these kids. So, He's a pretty focused, intense. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. yes, he is. Yeah. So, and then, of course, Greg just shared what he went off to. This Heart and Soul Ministries continued with a group out of Franciscan University of Steubenville as Greg was off with Father Grishel and then seminary and such. And for whatever reasons, they pulled out of a retreat that was in our diocese last minute. You know? And so the director of the NFP office there, Barbara Kett, shout out to dear Barb, a very good holy woman. She and her husband, Ed, she called me and she said, 
Steph, I need a retreat pulled together. Can you can you get a team and can you guys do this? Because there's over 120 kids and we have to fulfill this. I'm like, what? (laughs) So kind of like that. Okay, Lord, totally trusting. So fast forward, it was amazing what the Lord did that Mm. day with Bethlehem and then some. um, And then it continued. And the demand was becoming so great for these chastity retreats of the pull together teams that we decided we needed to write a grant to fund a full-time position. Mm. And I made it clear to Barb that I would help in any and every way that I could, but my heart and calling was very much in the classroom. And that Mm. was where, you know, I felt that the Lord wanted me to be. So... We wrote this grant, and in came Greg Schleter to fulfill this position. Oh, I so okay. I joke that not many women can say they wrote a grant for their husbands. <laughs> so that is where we officially met then and got to know each other. Just to clear the record, I did not know him at all or have any contact with there him was while no he was in seminary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was a reintroduction of sorts. And for me personally, in my spiritual direction, I was very open to religious life and where the Lord was calling me. And mm-hmm. and in my personal prayer, just felt so much love, but the Lord was wanting me to focus it, you know, more directly onto something. And I wasn't sure what that was. And so I had kind of made this, not agreement, but just kind of declaration that, you know, wasn't going to fall for this good Catholic guy that everyone was talking about and, you know, just was heading in a little bit of a different direction. Well, that lasted about 10 minutes after meeting Greg. <laughs> and he had zero interest in me, just, you know, I'm going to say that well, straight up on interest. air. Brotherly yeah. yes. interest. So yeah. um, I fell hard and quickly, and he was very much loving and protecting of my heart and spirit. So we, our friendship grew very quickly and very deeply, mm-hmm. and especially when you're doing ministry together and you're a little bit older, that can happen, you know, mm-hmm. in a beautiful, grace-filled sure. way. sure. So we um, continued. We did ministry events all the time together mm-hmm. through Heart and Soul and some other things, and again, grew in that way, and then started dating six months later. Let me pause you a second. So for me, Peter, and for any who are listening, I was very type A. You know, I, I, I had the Catholic compass. I wanted godly attributes in a wife. I knew I was called to marriage. But it wasn't until I sort of said, like, that that you see the triangle, God is love, God is life, and uh, to pursue him with my whole heart and let him bring to me whomever that person may be. So it was a little bit of that focusing on him in our ministry, not thinking that she was the one, and actually resisting it as emotions tried to emerge and say, okay, I want God. So it's not enough just to be attracted spiritually, personality, or physically. Those are not sufficient conditions for a spouse. They matter, but they're not They're very important. They're they're, they're essential, (laughs) absolutely. But, you know, just there takes an additional quality of anointing and to know that I knew at that point, old enough to know that God, you know, I need to know that this is that this is your design so when there was an awakening is that what you mean by anointing like our listeners may not know what you mean it sure. has to have the anointing You're yeah the anointing it's just the sense that god is saying this is the one i have have appointed to you so it wasn't just these three qualities that are essential it was that additional quality point is that in the midst of that when that awakening took place it was initially a sense of wow this beautiful person. And I would tell her all along, I'd say, you'll make a great wife for somebody else. else. <laughs> you know, and, and, and de- definitely saw the beauty in brother and sisterhood or whatever. But when there was that awakening to see that quality, it was, God, you've appointed this. It isn't just mm-hmm. my pursuit, my passions, my subjective qualities, as good as they may be. And it was really magnificent. Um, it was really June 21st that roughly around that time we began dating. And a year later, we were married. And it was from the very beginning, people who make Crisio, Chirp, Tech, Name the Retreat, Life in the Spirit, we inherited the sense that that is the vision that we want for our marriage and our family. We are called to be instruments and icons of the Trinity. These teams that we're forming is our vision, God's vision for us as a married couple and our family. We are called to mutual self-giving love, to make the Trinity known. And we thought, is there any greater need today in the world today than to make God, who is love, known by mutual self-giving love? So in that order of God first, and this is important, spouse second, the family overflows from that. And when you get that in order, how can you not, like the Trinity, overflow to the world? How can you not love and seek others to know that love and be drawn into that love? So that was really the vision that God, I think, really blessed us with in leading these retreats and working together and was woven in, into our vision of marriage. And were you in Erie at the time? Were you, yes. And you, you, you continued to do these retreats and missions together and then 
Correct. So yeah. at that time, Greg was then appointed by the bishop as director of youth ministry, the Office of Youth, youth and Young Adult, Adult ministry. ministry. And so I took over that directorship, if you will, of, of Heart and Soul, Soul for a little a wee less bit than of time a year. Because yeah. we got pregnant a month after. Yes. So we continued with that. And Greg mentioned forming the teams. That was really a gift on so many levels and a foreshadowing, if you will, of family life for mm-hmm. us. And so we had these, they varied in size from, you know, 10 to 20 something, depending upon the season of high school kids and some college kids, and just to really meet with them and form them and grow together in virtue and grace mm-hmm. and prayer. And as important as the the retreats and other things that we were doing with them were, it really came down to forming them and seeing yeah. them as a gift from God and these souls entrusted to us in that way. And so, and then it, as we were blessed with children, that just kind of grew and very natural. We were blessed on, I think, our first team, Justin Fatika, mm-hmm. which again, some of our listeners uh, may know. Hard our as first nails. date, he crashed it. He did crash our first date. Nicole, whatever her <laughs> but just, you know, and, and the importance of, you know, liturgy, the hours and praying, mm-hmm. you know, with sincere personal relationship from the heart to Christ, along with the many treasures that we are blessed with as Catholics mm-hmm. in the church. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, as you mentioned, one of the best ways to mentor or disciple, and the most effective way, is on mission. So you have these young people, 10 to 20 young people, who I assume they were helping with teachings or small groups and all that yes. sort of thing. Is that mm-hmm. part of what they were doing? Giving testimonies and music yep. and Absolutely. all that kind of thing. So they had a mission. And when you have a mission, it's out there in front of you. You haven't done it. You don't know how to do it. You're ready to listen. You know, like, help me. Help me do this. Help me do. Help me get good at this, you know. And then as a mentor and as a discipler, you're Mm -hmm. able to say, okay, here's, let's build the foundation. Here's the tasks. So let's build the foundation underneath it all, which is relationship with Christ and virtue and character development and all that sort of thing. So they tend to be eager when they're on mission. You know, I think that's something for the whole church to recognize up and down the line. How do we activate I mean, how do you get more buy-in from mm-hmm. parishioners? How do you get people to live more radically for the Lord? It, to really help them get there, you have, they have to be discipled. And to disciple them, you have to be discipled toward a goal. You know what I mean? And holiness and mission are goals for sure, right? But when you have a, when you have a mission, they're eager to listen and right. to get the help that they need. That is so. absolutely key. And I'll say we discovered and knew and applied this idea of Christ attending mostly to the twelve. Yeah. And churches can get this wrong, institutions can get this wrong, throw the net far and wide, absolutely, open the doors, invite others. But the attentive focus has to be those that God has brought to you in the closest level and to journey with them deeper in an encounter with Christ. Wonderful. You know, tomorrow, it'd be great if we could talk a little bit about your kids and your family as well, because I'm just so impressed with your children and the family that you guys have had and how open your home is and how many people have been touched by your family, which is really, really great and inspiring and I think would be a, a great source of encouragement for people uh, listening. So friends, I hope you can tune in. We're also going to talk about the nature of the ministry that they're involved in. So if you want to know more about it, you can go to ilovemyfamily.us. Fabulous. You nailed it. Yeah, ilovemyfamily.us. So God bless you, friends. Have a great day. Hope you can join us tomorrow. You are listening to a very special program of Ignite Radio Live, Fire on the Earth, Peter Herbeck's interview of Greg and Stephanie Schleter. Mark your calendar for the third Thursday of the month for our Belief and Beverage Nights. Go to massimpact.us forward slash BNB. Please partner with us, massimpact.us forward slash partner. Welcome, friends. This is Peter Herbeck, your host. We're here again today with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, the founders of Mass Impact. And you can find out the information about it at ilovemyfamily.us. Welcome back, you guys. Thank you. So you get to actually proclaim it when you state that. That's the beauty of that site. You're giving them information, but you're proclaiming it. What a great thing to say. I love my family. Words of power. It's great to say. We love the whole idea of family. We love God's plan for family. Amen. We love it. You know, right? no other and, plan. And, uh, and we love marriage and children and all of Bring that. Thanks be to God. So all of you out there who are listening today, moms, maybe you're just getting your kids ready for school. Or you're in the car. you got mm-hmm. a full car. Kids going to school. Or dad, whatever you're listening, and you're feeling it some days like, wow, this is hard. This is challenging. You know, what happened to my life? That's when it matters. It's God's way. It's God's way. And we're proud of you, and we want to stand with you, and we say, God bless you, and don't be afraid. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, don't be afraid yes. to live the king's mission. It's the Father's plan for us. So anyway, it's a good leading to what we want to talk about today. We talked about your personal journey the last couple of days. And friends, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, you can go to our website at renewalministries.net. It's all there. Or go to the app, renewalministries.net. You can listen to it whenever it's convenient. 
Let's talk about the mission you've been called to and you are so effective in the Lord helping strengthen family life. I love how you've described in the past, Greg, what having children means mm. to us, not just as gift, but when we got married, you would yeah, say... Yeah, so, so when we got married, we declared, my time is not my own. My money is not my own. My resources are not my own. That's what we're declaring before God. And there's a joy and a delight in that. And, and I decrease that he may increase. So we're declaring, none of this is my own. And with each child, it's just a punctuation mark at the end of that sentence. My time, my money, my sleep is really, really not my own. And again, the heart of it is discovering the joy and the delight that as we decrease, we open the capacity for him to increase. So one of the greatest privileges, if you will, that we have found as parents, and at risk of sounding cliche, is the the great beauty of introducing a child to God Mm -hmm. and all that that means. I had mentioned on an earlier show of being a teacher in the classroom, and I remember the very first day standing in front of my students, and I always pictured myself with the littler kids, and all the job openings were with the bigger kids (laughs) in junior high, (laughs) and they're very similar, very similar needs. But just like overwhelmed with, wow, like, Mm -hmm. Lord, you've entrusted these souls to me to help parents form and to draw them close to you. Well, put an exponent with a gazillion zeros on that as we hold a little precious child, an Mm -hmm. eternal soul. Even the moment that we discovered that we were pregnant, and we encourage those of you out there, the power of literally praying over the womb, Mm -hmm. husband, wife, together, if you can do that together and discover, which we did, it was one of the most sacred things, to know, okay, I'm going to get a pregnancy test, together, husband and wife, and then the delight, tears usually from me, and praying for the power of the Holy Spirit over my wife, over my child, and, you know, if God's given you the gift of tongues, let it go. I mean, let let that the Holy Spirit flood you and move through you. It begins then in that formation of the child. Mm-hmm. And even along with that laying hands, I remember so many times, even with our oldest, praying that the Lord would surround her, we didn't know, mm-hmm. with good holy friends. You know, just all those things matter in that moment. So back to the introduction to God. One of my favorite stories of all of our kids' stories is when our little guy, our youngest son, Dominic, was just a toddler, and Erie, Pennsylvania gets a ton of snow, and then some. And so it was would have been the first big snowfall that he would have seen to be able to articulate with words a reaction. Mm-hmm. So he came out of his bedroom that very cold morning to see inches and inches of snow, and he looked up at me, and he said, Mom! Look what daddy did, because all good things come from the father, right? And so as cute as it was, it made me stop and think, wow, like this is a beautiful moment of encounter with the father or some experience of a foundational relationship with God the father. And then, of course, in my pride, I needed to say, well, what does mommy do? (laughs) And he thought and he said, she makes supper. And she plays. <laughs> Two very important <laughs> so, things. So, food yeah. of the body and soul. Yeah, yeah. So, that I think has just really been something at the forefront of our marriage and parenting is, yes, we're called first and foremost to help each other, you know, to heaven and grow in holiness. And then also to bring our children along with that. And it's more than words. And so, story number two. One second. Just to pronounce to Steph that we are icons and instruments, fathers, you men out there, whether we like it or not, we are icons and instruments of the Father in heaven. Number two, we will never live up to it, ever. As Dominic Galdoler, he discovered that this dad is very flawed. And uh, and to realize that we need to navigate that with him, it's not ultimately between us and these children, it's orienting them towards that Father in heaven. And a lot of times, as we'll discuss perhaps later, the most powerful thing we do is to apologize, is to acknowledge our, our shortcomings, and to ask them to pray for us even. And in every time that there's a moral challenge or a crisis with them to state, you know, it really isn't between you and me. I am under this Father in heaven also as a son of God, and I strive also, and I fall short together. Let's seek that grace because it is a perfect plan. Again, that revelation that God equips us to respond to. That's a really good point, actually. The idea of, as a father, you know, when you're speaking to your kids who've done something wrong, mm-hmm. or they run into, you know, that was a problem, which that's, that happens with everybody, happens in life, right? 
and you're communicating to them, son, I'm calling you to repent, to repair this, and this is what God wants us to do, and I have to do the same thing. Right, right. You know, all of us, all of us are under the same Lord. Mm-hmm. All of us are living, as St. Paul says, we make it our aim to please the Lord. Right. And to say, you know, we're all going to do things, kids, at times we're, that don't please the Lord. Mm-hmm. It doesn't surprise me, because I do the same mm-hmm. thing. We're in this together. But what we're all doing is we're running after the same Lord, because we know He's the way for happiness and life and and. He's got a plan for us. He wants us to live in together. And so it makes it so much easier, I think, as you raise, especially as kids get in their junior high years and Mm -hmm. high school years, Mm -hmm. to be able to see the value of it and be able to surrender to it if you're living in it with them and you're kind of leading. And so that means at times sitting down with them and Mm saying, I need to talk to you. I need to ask your forgiveness, son, for the way I spoke to you today or what, you know, something like that. But go ahead. Yeah. And just a punctuation note, read Gary Smalley's book, The Blessing, and particularly for men, how embedded in our understanding of things, whether you're Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, atheist, history bears the truth of the power that a father has, in particular in the lives of their children. The stats, real simple. If the mom's involved and the dad's absent, 2% chance your kids are going to continue in the right. 2%. Mom's in completely, dad's out of the picture. Shift that around. The dad is fully in the game. Mom isn't even in the picture. It raises from 65 to 75% chance your kids are going to continue in their faith. That's not a Christian statistic. That's just sociology. There's something embedded in our human nature to take that. And men, you know, again, just to reiterate Peter, just the value of us being aware of that fatherly presence. Bob Schutt's book, Be Healed, another really good book where he shares his testimonial as a child and the transformation that took place in his life uh, and the power of the fatherly role in our lives. Whether we've had good fathers or bad fathers, and most of us is somewhere in between, God wants to work through that still. And he works through example, as this story illustrates. So we were blessed with six children in seven years, so all very close together, which meant three in diapers at the same time, which meant a lot of pretty smelly garbage the Greg would joke that um, Chernobyl diaper that our garbage men drew straws who had to pick up the Schleter garbage you know because of that so there was one time we were just starting potty training with our daughter Grace she was about three years old and she had a very evident just not so good horrible DEFCON one diaper, diaper. <laughs> yeah. and so I said Greg do you want to uh change Grace or we're out of milk do you want to run to the store around Is the corner. Is that really even a question? Right. <laughs> Change Grace's diaper or get milk. Really. So Greg the quickly the grabs the keys and, and departs, and I'm laying Grace down and changing her diaper, but with a little bit of um, impatience and just frustration, like, Grace, come on, you know, yeah. you're old enough, and yeah. kind of going through that little pep talk, and, um, and to which she's smiling, and she says... I know, I know. And she's kind of giggly. She goes, I smell like bloody heck, but she didn't say heck. Yeah. And I just looked at her and then she said, holy four letter word. <laughs> and my jaw dropped and she I ate. just like looked at her and she's smiling. She goes, go ahead, mom, say it. Dad does. Little <laughs> Dad does, yeah. <laughs> So I come in the door at that point, and I see the look on my wife's face. It's like one of she those. She throws every- the diaper at you. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Been but one of those everybody loves Raymond moments where so much is communicated with nothing said. I'm like, I'm searching my memory bank. What did I do? What did I say? What was discovered while I was gone? Yeah. And she tells me this story, of course, of my beautiful little angel. But that punctuates really, number one, that we in this journey are, if you will, working out our mess without which we wouldn't need the Messiah. Whoever's listening right now, that's a key point. We're in the midst of a mess without which we wouldn't need a Messiah. Point two, that there's really nothing we can say or do. No religious program, no retreat, no anything that surpasses who we are as parents. Our kids will gravitate to the authenticity of my love for Jesus Christ and them getting that. So a practical, for instance, insight is at some point going to Mass. It had to be less of them expecting them as we did. We expected them to observe proper posture as they're able to and all that. But at some point it was less observant. Are they observing this and giving the witness to them of a heart that loves God Mm -hmm. and let them see that heart that loves God in the proper posture. There's a little bit of a dance there sometimes with little ones. That's kind of a a key idea. Our integrity, the way we speak, um, all of those things pronounce the validity of what what is revealed to be true. They're asking with their souls as they look at us, do mom and dad really believe this? 
Do they do they really own this? Do we do more than just kind of formal prayers? But like my dad gave me witness as I shared in the, the sure. first episode here. You know, do they give witness that God is relational and He's personal? Do they pray over us? You know, yeah, with that sense of confidence yeah. that He is present. And even when there's when there's sickness or brokenness, do we have the audacity? And I have to call it that. Mm-hmm. Certainly, take Him to the hospital. And we had some moments, but do we legitimately take the time and ask for the Holy Spirit, as is revealed in Scripture? Signs will accompany them. Do we give witness that God is present, He is powerful, and that we're going to see some amazing things happen if we trust in Him? I think one of the most important things for us as dads and now as a grandpa. I'm a grandpa. Yay, that's yeah. so awesome. Yeah, it's great. To remember is that you touched on is authenticity, not perfection. You know, you don't have to be perfect. Right. You don't have to hide your human weakness and your difficulties, but you need to live authentically with God and God's love in God's mercy and to be able to receive it and to share it. And I think when C.S. Lewis used to talk about, you know, Christianity is when it's living, it's like spreading a good infection, you know? Right. And that's kind of what you're talking about, Greg, isn't it? You live, you're living as something that's so important to you and so deep and it's so authentic. If Dad's heart's kind of checked out and on all that, but he's got a duty to make sure you be quiet in church, you get in the van, you get to church, you be quiet in church, but he looks otherwise disconnected from the whole thing, that's why it doesn't get passed on. You don't mm-hmm. have to say a word. A kid will smell it, feel it, he'll intuit it. That's not the love of my dad's heart. He won't be able to put words on it. But what you love... What you love will have a big, big impact on your children, you know? So, and it has. Those yeah. three W's, again, the what generation, just do it, right? And then the why generation was, you know, let me understand this apologetically or ethically. Very important, but it is the weaving into that, the who, and, and truly, you know, do we know Jesus Christ? And for many of us, it's just being honest. Yeah. Have we really had that encounter? Because if we're not evangelizing naturally, it's likely that we ourselves have not encountered Christ. That's a key question for all of us to ask. And it's an ever deeper thing. It's not a once-time thing. Are we truly aware and open to God's grace in that relationship with Him? Yeah, amen. It's a good good place to end the program. We've got a lot more to talk about tomorrow. I want to get concretely into the nature of the ministry that you're doing. I want you to tell all our friends and listeners about it. Friends, if you enjoyed the program, call some friends and have them tune in tomorrow to listen to us as well. So God bless you. Have a wonderful day and know that God has a great plan for you in your marriage and in your family. God bless you. You are listening to a very special program of Ignite Radio Live, Fire on the Earth, Peter Herbeck's interview of Greg and Stephanie Schleter. Mark your calendar for the third Thursday of the month for our Belief and Beverage Nights. Go to massimpact.us forward slash BNB. Please partner with us, massimpact.us forward slash partner. Welcome back, you guys. Thank Thanks, you, Peter. Peter. So Stephanie, I wonder, if you could, I wonder if you could tell us what, what the ministry is really about, kind of foundationally. So it is Mass Impact with the double entendre of Mass, the foundation of our faith, right? Mm-hmm. The source and the summit, and the impact. How is that impacting our everyday life in every aspect? So we were seeing more and more of many, many wonderful programs and, you know, catalyst points for many in their faith life. And what we were seeing was a lot of frustration of, and then what? Mm-hmm. You know, these are great moments, but where is that movement that overflows into the ordinary, everyday aspects of our lives? Many come back from these events and they want the encouragement of connecting what happens in liturgy, the mass, the readings, overflowing into their marriage and family. We know everybody who's listening in their deepest heart of hearts wants this. We know they desire to see what they experienced on the Chrissy Orchard to come alive in their homes. They desire it. But there are things that stand in the way. And so we provide a vision with a gathering guide every week based upon subsequent Sunday readings to talk and pray, to bring the family together so there's a group's version and there's a family version to bring people together to talk and pray in a very easy way uh, that really, let's say, sets the stage for Christ to be encountered in relationship. And I think, you know, the reality is many of us think about our own homes, let's just be really honest, how often is it reduced to just logistics? Got to get the kids to basketball practice or make sure they do their homework or whatever. At the end of the week, how much time did we really spend meaningfully engaged in kinds of connections where Christ is more fully encountered in that relationship? In fact, this might be a way to pose the question. If the coach called and said, I need another 45 minutes of practice with your kid, which parent is going to say no? We'll find the time. If the boss says, I need another 45 minutes of work, we're going to do it. 
We're going to devote our time to that. But ask the question, when's the last time you spent 45 minutes in meaningful connection, talking and praying with your spouse and your children? And the reality is most people maybe never, truthfully, but they want to. So what is the fear that stands in the way of doing that? We've discovered through the duration of this program that people are hungry for it. And when you bring them together in our home once a month, we have a monthly Catholic family gathering. Other places have begun to do this also. That does, brings the whole family together to show them, to model it, to experience it, to lower that bar, to show them it's possible. you got to have an audacity. you got to have an audacity to change the environment from mm-hmm. video games and media and coming home and exhaustion and let's just do something easy to, okay, no, let's get rid of the devices, shut everything down, let's light a candle, let's gather together, let's ask some meaningful questions. For instance, if you go again to ilovemyfamily.us, you'll see all the links to this simple gathering guide. Five simple questions. What are you grateful for? Ask that at the supper table tomorrow or breakfast next time you're gathered. What's a victory in your life? What's a challenge? What's an affirmation? Who's somebody in this home that you like to affirm? What's something new? Just those five questions we call daily questions that are part of this gathering. Very good, yeah. And we hear people say when they've done this, and we encourage them to do it, first of all, again, they've got to have that audacity, a little courage to, to step beyond their, out of their comfort zone. When they do it, and they do it consistently, it truly becomes a culture changer in the home. Yeah, it's a, you make a good point of having to lead people into something they've never done. I don't know a father and a mother who wouldn't love to be able to, at times, discuss those very questions with those they love the most, which is their own children. And to be able to have some harmony in the family or touching the hearts of how people are actually doing in the family. But especially for guys, it mm-hmm. can be really difficult for us to say, I don't know how to lead something like this. I don't know how to, you know, and our children are so willing to just push back or to not want it and to say it, you know what I mean? Right. And so I don't want to wrestle with them because we don't know what to do. We feel uncomfortable, so we don't do, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, so, and that's yeah. what we've seen over and over again. And people have yeah. said it's great to have a guide. And it's exactly that. You don't have to do it letter by the law. We say make it your own also. Yeah. So yeah. for some, they start out doing it exact all the way down, and then they see what works best or what they can grow in or what they need to modify or what they need to expand. So if somebody, a guide. if somebody went to ilovemyfamily.us, what would they see? What's going to pop up in front of them? So I would encourage those of you listening, if you want to hear something humorous and inspiring and just really real, woven together with some good rock and roll <laughs> and some popular music and stuff, Look for the podcast on the right side, the Family Road Trip Podcast. For those seven weeks, so we structure this for those who are new to it, seven weeks. Commit to seven weeks. And some, again, are groups that gather, and we encourage these guys to do it in their families. We challenge four families to do this for seven consecutive weeks, and we are journeying with them in doing this in their homes. And we picked four families for whom they have some familiarity, but we knew it would be a challenge. So you have the mom and dad in this podcast from the episode one. Listen to episode one, and uh, you'll hear them talk about their fears, their concerns, what stands in the way, and you'll hear what is literally happening over these episodes, weekly episodes, 15 minutes long. They're not real long. Talking Mm. about the power of the Holy Spirit coming alive. One of the families, the Ericsson's, You know, I challenged Walt a couple months ago. I said, Walt, try this out. You have six kids aged 10 and under. Ask the older three when you gather for prayer to pray over one another. And he paused and he said, hmm, that's hard to imagine. But his third oldest, Eve, is maybe four, five five years old. They did this. They gathered the older three kids and he invited them to pray over one another. He didn't cue them any more than that. And he was blown away at the ability of their children in prayer to pray over one another. So a lot of this, folks, is as simple as giving permission, creating the atmosphere and the environment, and giving them permission and let them minister to you in a lot of ways. In terms of the weekly family gathering, so mm-hmm. they'll download something that has the reading for the upcoming Sunday. Is that what I heard you say? Correct. And so then you discuss readings. that? But okay. So Greg mentioned the five daily questions. There's also something on there prior to the readings. We call them family fun questions. Just sometimes silly, not so serious, just ice-breaking kind of conversation Mm. starters, which has really been helpful for Mm. many families just to get the blood flowing in conversation. After that, we think is the most important part, and we mentioned this in a prior episode, but just apologies, Mm. just to clear the air, just an opportunity for anybody to ask for forgiveness Mm -hmm. for something that they've done or somebody who may be harboring something against somebody else that they may not even realize. So it becomes a you hurt me when kind of Mm -hmm, thing. And, you know, without pushback or explanation, but just, and that has been powerful for our own family Mm -hmm. since our kids were little, just that opportunity 
and especially for mom and dad yep. to apologize to them, as you spoke of on an earlier episode, Peter, just that the grace that comes in that we're in this together and yep. we fall short Every night. and nobody's perfect. Yeah, that's, and that's and, a moment, that's a moment we can say essentially, how are we doing? Yes, How exactly. are we doing? You know what I mean? Exactly. We're, we're meant to be a domestic church and a family. It's amazing how we do love one another, mm-hmm. but it's amazing how often, because we don't have the tools and we've never been taught and we're, we're scared about how do we deal with problems? Right. How do we deal when someone's upset? You know, right. Debbie and I were just talking about this the other night because we came from imperfect families, both of us, and we had some of the parents at times had real issues. One parent from one of the families, which I won't mm-hmm. mention, you know, was a real passive-aggressive person. Mm-hmm. So if this person was upset they would just shut down and they would be just passively aggressive instead of being the leader of the family and being able to say, you know what, something's bothering her. Everybody or him, everybody has to walk around and not talk about it. And it sets a terrible example. And then the kids learn how to model that. And so there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of unresolved stuff that never gets resolved. Mm -hmm. And then you start shifting into silos right in your own family. And the very thing you don't want to have happen happens. happens. And we can repeat this from one generation to the next because we never get the tools to just deal with reality in a way that's honest, real feelings, real honesty. I feel hurt by what you said to me, or I want to ask your forgiveness for what I've done. And you realize once you get the tools a little bit and you start to do it, it's actually not that hard to do. That's right. It's just the big giant wall of fear at the beginning of the whole thing, right? And you have to kind of platform it also. You have to make it an ordinary part of your family culture because then, let's face it, younger kids aren't going to necessarily initiate. They don't have a platform to say, hey, dad, mom, brother, sister, you hurt me, or I'm I'm apologizing. A lot of them really want to do this. Sure. This is kind of a key theme in our Catholic faith is, All that God designed us for, this excellence and this greatness, we know in our souls. And parents' job is to set the stage in the home to make that grace come alive. So even in these, for instance, these five questions, when you do it regularly, and that's the emphasis, again, part of the culture, when you do it regularly, well, the kids get, when I say here's a victory and a challenge, they not only understand more, (laughs) maybe my experiencing frustration or angst for me because they hear me say, well, I'm struggling with this, or I'm really struggling with that. Number one, they're going to say, oh, I understand that a little more. Secondly, they're going to hold me accountable. So I, hopefully I'm not going to be confessing to them the same thing day after day, week yeah. after week. Thirdly, they're going to be praying for me. Literally, this becomes a saint-making capacity when parents set the stage to do this. So we're asking, again, for clarity's sake, we invite families to do this once a week, to commit 45 minutes to gathering, to talk and pray. We say, put that flag in the sand, and the grace really starts to take territory. Shut everything home. down. Don't yes. let it. Yep. And dads in particular, moms often really want to fight for that. And dad might, oh, I had a good intention, but this came up and that came up. Dad, take the lead with mom. Say, we are going to defend this territory, which you yes. meant by Absolutely. planting the flag. Yep. This is immovable. This is so important to us. This is our family. We're going to shut everything down. We're going to shut off the phones and everything. And we're just going to be here together. Mm-hmm. And we and this do it, time we're going to guard it. We do it for so many other things. And this, yes, I think sure. everybody would say, is the most important desire yeah. of family. Just to jump back to the guide, also, we do have the readings on there for the upcoming Sunday Mass, along with questions. And the first one is always the same. What struck you, challenged you, inspired you? What questions did it raise? For each of the readings, that is enough to carry any group alone by just reading the readings and the gospel. So in the second question has to do with something personal Mm -hmm. and familial, if you will, like something to do, and the third and overflow kind of thing where it affects other people. So you can pick all three readings very often because of time. Many people choose to do the first, second, or mainly the gospel. And just to have that preliminary reflection prior to Mass, especially with young kids or teens, makes such a difference, right? To hear it, to have talked about it, to have experienced it, and then to go into Mass more prepared for what the Lord desires to say to each of us. So one quick thing we do to offer this to entire parishes is we do three-night retreats called Parish Ignition. Night one is on being emptied. Night two is on being filled. Third night is overflow, literally entering into the life of Christ. We also do two-hour events before Saturday Mass, where we guide families through this process. They literally experience it, and most of them say, wow, this is amazing. I'm talking to my family, and it kind of piques their appetite to do this in an ongoing way. That's good. It's very good. Friends, I 
I've seen and touched some of this uh, with Greg and Stephanie and their work. It's beautiful. It's it's very accessible, very doable. Can feel a little scary thinking, how am I ever going to get this to happen in my family? Mm-hmm. You know, but the Lord wants to help you. It is in your heart. You love your your spouse. You love your children, and the Lord wants to help you bring His love right to the core of your life together. God bless you. Hope you can join us tomorrow. You are listening to a very special program of Ignite Radio Live, Fire on the Earth, Peter Herbeck's interview of Greg and Stephanie Schleter. Mark your calendar for the third Thursday of the month for our Belief and Beverage Nights. Go to massimpact.us forward slash BNB. Please partner with us, massimpact.us forward slash partner. Welcome, friends. This is Peter Herbeck, your host. We're here one more day with my very good friends, aspiring couple, Greg and Stephanie Schleter, who've been leading a a dynamic ministry called Mass Impact out of Toledo, Ohio, and helping families become all that God wants them to be. Mm. And being able to take families right where they are and bring them the kind of help and practical encouragement and the rest to be able to make that family come alive more and more in the Lordship of Jesus together mm-hmm. in His love. So welcome back, you guys. Thanks, Thank you. Peter. Yeah, it's so nice to have you here. So, Greg... Yes. Day five. Tell, tell me what's on your heart today. Wow. Guys about this. Yeah. Well, I think... <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Only 15 minutes? Yeah. Um, no, I think, Peter, the, the key quote that inspires us from John Paul II and that informs us, the future of humanity passes by way of the family. There are other wonderful things that demand our attention we need to be involved with, but the family is iconic of the Trinity. The family is the means through which the world will know love. We have a mission, husbands and wives and families, even in our brokenness, as we've talked about, God you know, ministers through that, through our seeking forgiveness and mercy, our great exemplifications, if you will, of the unity God calls us to have. Yeah. So um, our children range in age now, six of them in seven years, blessed to have a herd, uh, age 20 down to 13. And a key thing, I think, for us is as we formed them, under our roof, to know Christ's love, to really open their hearts and minds to know they've been blessed to be blessers. Really, that's simple. God puts us in this planet with a mission and a purpose and family. We brought woven them into our ministry. When we do our parish ignition, they've done the youth track with great response, transformational effect. That's an operative word for us, by the way. Transformation and revival are important words. Our kids inherited those from youth. Our sons decided at some point along the way, three years ago, that they were going to lead lit groups in our home. What's a lit group? So live it. So image the Trinity is what we're all about. So we like to use that acronym, it, preach it, live it. We're called to image the Trinity. That's family's That's purpose. the iconic piece you're talking about. The yes. Ima- we're the image. We bear the That's image right. of the Trinity. The we're family. instruments and icons of the Trinity. So lit groups is sort of a multi-entendre, double, triple, but really to live it, to live. We image you're in your Trinity. wheelhouse now, Greg, when I you're am, talking about yeah, that. Sorry, this, this stuff just comes yeah, out of you. Well, like, you yeah. lit, lit, of course, the fire imagery, right? Luke's passage about Christ says, I've come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already ablaze means a lot to us. Our kids were formed not for adjectival Catholicism, conservative or charismatic. We want all that Christ revealed to be true, which means life in the spirit. It means a beauty of our mass and the history and the tradition and the sacrament. We want it all. You know, we love reverence in a holy, godly mass, and that ought to inform fully being attuned to God's heart in reaching others through all the gifts that God gives. Our kids were woven into that. Having net teams come into our house, being part of these events, the kids were woven into that. So three years ago, uh, we homeschool. The boys decided we're going to have a lit group in our home and invite kids to come into our house. We've had as many as 50 or 60 kids in our home every week, for almost every week, for you know over two years. And they on their own lead this where they're inviting their peers together. As usual, a fun thing to open it up. But what I want to get to real quickly is powerful things happen is these kids open the door to discuss the difficult roadblock questions that they face. And I have to say, all from good Catholic families, wonderful people, but 99% of them do not experience in their homes what they desire to experience. They want to talk to their parents about this. There's nobody who's more influential than their parents in opening the door to talking about moral issues, ethical issues, what's happening in the world, to pray with them. So our kids, really our sons, open the door for this, and it even involves praying over one another. A story that was very powerful a few weeks ago, John Paul, is he's our number three, and he's a senior in high school in the lit group that he had. He has this word of knowledge. He At some point, he's leading worship, and he said, you know, I have a sense that somebody really has a back pain, something with your back. Nobody's raising their hand. And he kept pressing it. I really have a strong sense. Well, one of the participants said, my girlfriend is actually in Minnesota right now in a hospital seeing doctors because she's dealing with a significant spinal thing. Maybe it's her. 
they got him to sit down and pray over him in proxy of his girlfriend. So they're opening their hearts to the Holy Spirit. They're taking those steps. The friend, the the boyfriend who is there, gets text messages within hours saying, I don't know what happened, but the doctors are mystified that literally at the same time, this group of young people were praying over him, this girl was healed. A month, two months out now, this girl was healed. And the important point I want to emphasize is God wants to manifest his power through schleps like us. You know, he wants to not just the extraordinary on the stage, great speaker, awesome. He wants us to realize we're called to be be participants in this. You know, the the, the church has, Stephanie, the the language of, you know, everybody's in our baptism, priest, prophet, king. Mm -hmm. And the primary place we're meant to live that out is in our home. And then in our neighborhood and places like that and even our workforce. So, but I think so many parents, so many men and women feel like, okay, I, I... I've heard those words, but I don't know what that looks like or would look like in my life. I don't feel comfortable leading, being the priest and leading prayer in my life or being the prophet, being the one who's bringing God's life and God's word to people, right? Or king to bring the lordship of Jesus to my home. I don't know how to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so why I'm so encouraged about your work, this is the one thing the devil does not want to have happen, mm-hmm. you know, right. among other things. But this is a big one on his scale. He's, he's making huge strides mm-hmm. in deconstructing the family, right. breaking up the family, sexuality, all that stuff. He's going after human anthropology, which which affects the fact that we're icons and images of God, and all that's getting radically confused because, as Sister Lucia said, that Our Lady told her that the final battle between Christ and the Antichrist is going to be over the family, right? So the Lord has you guys foundationally right there. What would you say, Stephanie, to moms out there who's always the heart, sort of the heart of the family, and what she's hearing isn't happening in the home and longs to have it happen in the home. Is there anything you could share just of encouragement or first and foremost, I would say have hope. Mm -hmm. You know, we are people of hope. Pray for your husbands Mm -hmm. or if you are a single mom, pray for that grace for yourself or to invite perhaps another uncle or grandfather, whomever a male figurehead is so important Mm -hmm. in the, in the spiritual realm. Um, I would say don't nag, (laughs) don't be dishonoring, encourage, 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 encourage your husband to be the spiritual leader and let go of the reins. We know so many good Catholic women who have, with good intention, overstepped their, their role and have because perhaps the husband filling the gap probably filling the yes, vacuum right yeah, right sure. so you have to let go and let your husband lead as best as he can even though you think you may do it better <laughs> or maybe you do do it better but to allow him to do that and to the husbands and or dads or whatever the situation is i would say just do it you know priest prophet and king no we, we all fumble we all can't do it perfectly no matter where we're at but you're not going to know how to unless you just do it. I would also say, and with words of encouragement, and one of the blessings hugely of our ministry is the families that the Lord has brought together. Mm-hmm. You know that so sure, much, Peter. Sure. Just to live in community and to mm-hmm. encourage each other and to model and learn from each other and to see how it can be done, even in little ways. This past um, month, at one of our monthly Catholic family gatherings, we did this larger group lit gathering, if you will, where we followed the guide just to model it. And I think even these mm. parents who are good Catholic parents and really strive to give their kids their faith and to live it, they were blown away mm. at the openness of the kids the that wisdom. they have not seen, right? Their their sure. prayer and their reflection on the readings mm. and such. So have hope, you know, mm. um, encourage Surround yourself, pray, pray, especially to Our Lady, right? I yeah, mean, for sure. And the uh, I had a conversation with uh, some dads not long ago, you know, who I was trying to encourage them to step into this. And I said, you know, the just it just seemed difficult for them. And I said, look, just keep it as simple as you can. I said, right. here's one thing I that came to my mind. I said, you know the story of the three children of Fatima? You know, they're five, mm-hmm. seven, and ten or whatever they were. And mm-hmm. the Lord wants to lead them into a mission that he has for them. He takes them very seriously. And I said, just follow the children and the angel of Portugal who came to them. He said, what do you mean? I said, it was so simple. The angel comes to them and says, here, to get you ready to do what God wants you to do, I want you to follow me. So he got down on his knees and put his forehead on the ground. Mm -hmm. And the children got down on their knees and put their forehead on the ground and said, 
I believe in you, I hope in you, I adore you, and I love you, and I beg pardon for all those who do not believe in you, do not hope in you, do not adore you, and do not love you. Mm -hmm. Like he did it three times. Mm -hmm. Then they did it three times. I said, you know what I would do, dads? If I were you, it said, I would pull my kids together and say, hey, kids, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you today from my heart. You know, I've been growing in my own faith, and I'm re- I really have a conviction in my heart that God wants to help us come closer as a family around him. And I'm not any good at this, and I don't know how to do this, and I'm sorry that I didn't do more of this because I never learned this, you know? Mm-hmm. But let's, let's pray and say, we're going to do this thing. Tell them a little story about the children of Fatima, and then all of you get on your, get on your knees in the living room and put your forehead that's on awesome. the ground and just say what they said. That's awesome. You know what I mean? That's really awesome. Or, or just something that's right. simple. Just Start there. Start there. You know, a point you said that I've said to men that seems to be very powerful and resonating with what you're saying is when you gather them together, whatever context, say, I just want to listen to you. First of all, I want to confess that I have not been the best husband and father. I want to state that because I want to be. I'm, I'm fallen. To yeah. confess it, number one. Yeah. Number two, I really want to hear what you might offer me as how I can be a better husband and father. Yeah. And I'm just going to listen. You're not going to get a response from me. Thirdly, I want to ask you to pray for me to do that. I want to invite you to pray and and to know that, you know, together to think about what, what can we do to more fully become what we are. A little bit of a lead, and I think you spoke simplicity. Um, the most simple thing is, and John Paul II understood this, Saint John Paul II, become what you are. Really, this journey is looking and fully understanding who we really are. And what is that? Well, we're icons of the Trinity, certainly. But what does that mean? Jesus, in the midst of our amnesia, with all these distractions, he came down in the midst of this fog and he revealed our nature. He revealed the nature of love. Well, what do we see in that nature? Well, we see it in every movie. Gladiator, Lord of the Rings, Lassie Come Home, Son of Music, whatever it is. We see these really four movements. We see they begin at a certain point. No-brainer. They go through a crucible, point to every movie you can think of. Go through a crucible. Number three, they come through the crucible on the other end, more aware of their identity, which four informs their mission. Those four movements, let's give them names. Life, death, resurrection, Pentecost. Every movie. one story. So it's captivating the entire world. Drama, movies, books have these four movements. We're called to be participants in those movements. Instead of just sitting in the seats and watching and observing, this is a clarion call for all of us to say, wow, angels and saints are attending at the throne of God, looking at us to see what's going to happen as they're going through these movements of life, death, resurrection, and Pentecost. And those really kind of define everything that we are all about, our retreats, um, our parish missions. The movements in between life, death, resurrection, and Pentecost are simply this, to be emptied, Christ emptied himself, so that we can be filled, resurrection, so that it overflows into Pentecost. And this is maybe just a good thing to punctuate. This is where many Catholics stop. They stop at the fill stage, Catholic hot tub experiences, because they don't realize if you don't overflow, if you don't recognize God uses you as an instrument to each other's, it will die. What is given to us will die. This is a pivot sure. point, I think a wake-up revival point for many of us to say, i got to, like Peter, take those steps on the water. Don't know how it's going to work. Doesn't make sense to me. Or our blessed mother. To lean into, okay, you know, you made me the mother of God. Yeah, and we're friends wherever Courage. you are. That's good stuff. Wherever you are, friends, too, you might say, I want to find some other couples in my parish that want to do this. I want to get going. And if they did, Stephanie, how would they contact you? How could they get help from you guys? Maybe they want to have you out to do one of these things in their their parish. What would they need to do? The infamous site, ilovemyfamily.us. You can contact us there. Or the email, alive at massimpact.us. You would see this at the site in the lower right side. But alive at massimpact.us. We'd love to talk with you. Yes, you guys have been great to having you. Thank you for being here this whole week. Thanks, Peter. It's been awesome. No, what a just, blessing. You're, you're just a wonderful witness to what God's doing in the world to renew his church and to renew mm-hmm. family life. And God I admire you. you tremendously. And friends, God has great plans for you. And Amen. don't let the devil convince you that it can't work for you. That's Amen. a lie. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. If you've heard something that's touched your heart this week, that's the Lord speaking to you about wanting to help you in your family. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend. You have been listening to a very special program of Ignite Radio Live over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, Peter Herbeck's interview of Greg, myself, and Stephanie Schleter. And we like to punctuate that we're not just a media, we're about a movement. And uh, we invite you to join us the third Thursdays of every month for our Belief in Beverage Nights. Register right now, limit to 100, massimpact.us forward slash BNB. Phenomenal Hillsdale professors addressing the theme of incarnation. 
Reflections on Reviving One Nation Under God. Again, register for that, massimpact.us forward slash BNB. Until next time, God bless you. Mm -hmm.